This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, have you ever experienced the butterflies in your stomach when you started a new job? You arrive the first day and feel a little lost as surrounding employees are busy doing their thing. Now, what's your onboarding process for new employees? How do you make their first day as efficient as possible and, more importantly, comfortable and welcoming? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, it's Carm Capriato. Glad to have you here. Listen to learn just one thing and commit to fine-tuning your onboarding process. Thanks to Shopware in Delphi, you know, your shop's customers pump their own gas and bag their own groceries, and most of them don't mind booking online or paying you via a live chat bubble in a self-serve universe. Get up to speed and talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. You know, when you turn to Delphi Technologies for your chassis needs, quality is at the forefront. Material and dimensional enhancements, as well as 700 hours of salt spray testing, goes into each and every chassis part produced. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com to see over 8,000 chassis SKUs Delphi has waiting for you in stock. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's Carm Capriato. Good to have you here. Town Hall Academy, week 297. I don't know about you, AJ, but I, I don't remember doing anything 297 times in a row. That's a lot, man. That's consistency. Well, this is 297 of just Town Hall Academy. You've got like a thousand other recordings and shows. I can't imagine like, it's like megabyte, then terabyte. What, what's the next one? Uh, many bytes. Many bytes. You're in the many bytes of data and bandwidth and all that stuff. We got to knock the cobweb old episodes or something. So, so we're going to talk about onboarding new team members. And my thoughts are um, immersing into your culture, setting expectations, Stations of the, the new hire and create a level and a culture of belonging. Soften the rough edges to make a big career move seem really extremely important. This is why they're doing it. And also figuring how to celebrate our new team member. Good to have A.J. Neely with us from uh, the Neely Auto Service, Edgewater, Maryland. Uh, four stores now. Four stores. Yeah, good to be here, Carm. Thank you. Sam Craven, the garagisti, Houston, Texas. Hello, Sam. Hey, Carm. Hey, guys. I've been open two years uh, and actually been trying the last few shoots, the last about four months, trying to get that second location going, trying to buy existing businesses, and actually today just made an offer on a piece of real estate, which seems promising. So get that second location going. Good for you. Good for you. Glad to hear it after just two years in. And Edgar Reyes is with us, service director, Shirts Auto Service, Shirts Texas. Uh, Edgar, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Living the life, Carm. Thank you for having me. boy, no problem. This will be, I think, your fourth episode with me. I love when you're on, man. I have to tell you, this is one of those dynamic under 30 guys in our industry. Pay attention to this mover up and coming shaker. Okay, guys, every time I think of onboarding, I think of ghosting. And I don't want to talk about that right now because sometimes we so anticipate the process of bringing on somebody new. And occasionally they don't show up, but that's other shows we've done in the past. And so I don't want anybody to go in with a negative attitude. Why should I even bother and get all excited? The person may show up. No, 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 no. The person is going to show up. That's the positivity here. And so what are we going to do and how are we going to bring it together? And Edgar, I want to go to you first, because in your talking points, you basically say, look it, you got to have a process and a procedure to bring people on. You just can't let me see, let me cross my fingers, cross my arms, and then go out and light a votive candle. You just can't do that. 
No, absolutely not. And going back to like the set, setting the expectations that of everybody that we onboard, it's it's not just setting the expectations of what we expect from them, but what they can expect from us and what they can expect during their first day, right? To begin with, in order to have or to onboard someone, you have to have a process and procedure. The way I think about it is everybody in this industry is always making sure that our customers have a great experience, that when you have that customer, especially if it's their first time, that they have an amazing time, that the, the whole visit from beginning to end is great. But we don't do that with our teammates, especially not with our new ones. We have to develop those processes and procedures to onboard the people. Uh, it starts with setting expectations on where do you even park? You go in and you just see an empty lot and you're like, okay, I, I think this is where I belong. And then you park your car there. Then 15 minutes later, you have someone telling you that you're wrong because that's customer parking only. Come on. And it's only the first day, right? It's the entire team that has to be totally behind onboarding a new uh, team member. You want that employee when they start on day one to be productive. You don't want day one to be a wasted effort, right? You don't want to spend day one onboarding them to your management system, onboarding on where to park, introducing them to the employees. You know, part of that process that we have is making sure that we do that all ahead of time, right? Having that process in place, so you're doing the walkthrough, you're making the introductions to everyone on the team that they know where the coffee maker is. They know where to park. Like Edgar mentioned, you know, they know everything. So when they come in, they feel comfortable coming in on day one. The awkwardness of that is gone. The jitters are gone. That way, when they come in on day one, they're literally ready to go, ready to work, answer phones. Let's say if they're an advisor, you know, we have a, 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 a training process for them to go through just to understand like how to build an estimate, you know, how to understand how the phones work, you know, everything about that. We can get anything that we can give them before they start on day one also doesn't cost you as much. The better you're going to be because they're going to be productive on the first day that they show up. And that's really what we're after. And so with the team, it does take a team effort. Right. And so uh, and kind of like what Edgar mentioned before, there's a process even in the interviewing. So we're, we're just talking as if, all right, we got a candidate that's aligned with our values. Now, what's the next step in getting them on? It's, of course, a team effort. I want to dig into that a little bit more, but Sam, uh, I think you agree with AJ on it starts even before they show up on day one. Finding good people is the hardest part of this industry, and that's the good people part of it. And our interview process is, is a process. It's only three stages. And the last stage of that interview is we actually have them come in and spend half a day with us. And part of that interview process is, number one, us selling them, them selling us, but then also getting them comfortable with our process. They get to kind of see the way that we work, who they're going to interact with, how they interact with them, what our company culture is like. And all of that to me is a good first step before they even start. He said, us selling them, them selling us. And all I could think about was a car transaction. So, you know, go with me because I'm a squirrel who looks for nuts and all of a sudden I saw one there, right? <laughs> And I wrote down the word transaction and I wrote down the word, okay, I'm going to buy the car. And then all the ugly paperwork happens you know, and then there's all this other stuff that you didn't think or know about. And so my warning to this whole transaction idea, which is, I think, smart to think about, is how can I even make post-transaction softer and easier? And to AJ's point, how much time do you spend with them before they gave a two-week notice. Where do you integrate that training? Yeah, it's, I'd say it's, it even starts in the interviewing, you know, a, a process itself. I mean, 
we also have like a multi interview or multi touch point, you know, interview process, right? So it's like, we do have multiple locations. So let's say, for example, I'm looking to hire a technician, you know, my head of operations, Jason, he is going to put up the ads, look for the qualified candidates to see what their technical ability is, right? And of course, they're also screening them to make sure that that the gut check feels good, that they're going to align with our values and things of that sort. If that initial like virtual interview or phone call goes well, then we do an in-person walkthrough of that location, give them an opportunity to, to introduce them to the team. Because like uh, Sam had mentioned, we just, we are trying to sell ourselves, honestly, as far as like why we're a great place to work for, right? And what we never want to have happen is we never want, I always use the, like back to the, to the new car analogy, right? We want reality to be better than the brochure. And a lot of times, I think, unfortunately, a lot of businesses sell and sell too much of themselves up front, pretty much where they're over promising and under delivering, right? And we want to make sure that they're comfortable with making a change that they know that they're going to be held accountable and there's going to be clear expectations when they come on board with us. So after that walkthrough is done, again, if they're still a great candidate and still a great fit, then I do that last interview with them, right? Because really at that point, I'm not asking them technical questions about how to fix cars. I'm more or less talking about our story, our origin story, where we've come from, where we are and where we're heading. And then making sure too, that they just are in alignment with our core purpose, our core values. And again, we are going to hold them accountable. That's ultimately the biggest thing too, right? It's like, we don't just put these on the wall, these core values and just point to them. We live and breathe these things. And so we are very, very transparent up front that if you are outside of the expected behaviors, we're going to call you out for it, right? And it's just not like any other place to work for. Edgar, when is the time that you are listening hard to learn all about their likes their dislikes, what their world is like, because you want to be sure that you understand them when they come to work for you. Starts from the second you make that initial contact with them in the interview process. At the end of the day, you're not hiring robots. You're not hiring machines to have an input and run it through a formula and put an output. You're hiring people. And it's all about people. So you need to get to know the person first. Again, that starts as soon as you make contact. You have to figure out what their likes and dislikes are. Uh, You have to figure out what you do on your day-to-day basis that maybe you want to know beforehand. For example, we do lunch every Tuesday. So I want to know what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat. Are they allergic to something? Because when they come in on their first day, they come in on Monday, Tuesday, we serve them lunch. And then the first thing we serve them is something they're allergic to. You know, it's not going to be a good onboarding situation for them. And through the entire interview process, you're you're really figuring out what they like to do. What do they like to spend the time away from work doing? What is a priority number one and number two? And that's going to play a big role later on. For example, we have some teammates who they don't really care for their family, but their dogs are their life. You can send them a gift card or send them a, a nice note or giving time off when it's their mom's birthday. And it would mean absolutely nothing to them. But when their dog is sick and they call you and they tell you, hey, I'm running late. And he's like, you know what? Just take the day off. I know your dog means a lot to you. That means a lot more to that teammate than anything else you could do. So getting to know them as a person, it's very, very important. It's crucial to the success of not just onboarding, but retention in the future. I've been around for a long time. I've hired and fired a ton of people in my life. And back in the day when I was the SOB son of boss, it was different. It was different 40 years ago. And Edgar brings up such an incredible point about where we are today and the culture of our world and our life and what matters to people. 
if that's any takeaway, the dog story, some shop owners have dog mascots because they're that important to not only them, but to their client base and everyone, Sam. Yeah, we got two dogs in the shop at all times. My shop foreman and my dog comes in <laughs> and they're be- wonderful uh, greeters for people. People love it. Just kind of takes the edge off. Yeah, you kind of need those therapy dogs anyway in our industry. So <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be $3,000 here. Here's, yeah, here, here's my here's, pet dog. <laughs> here you go. Yeah. <laughs> The expectations that need to be set. Again, you have people that help you run your company, but it's your still your job to know all of the people that work with and for you. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's really just understanding who they are as a person, right? Back to what Edgar was saying is connecting with them on a human level because they are not a cog in a machine. We want them to be linchpins, right? That's one of our core values. Be a linchpin. We want you to be so indispensable to this organization that you pull that pin out, the whole thing falls apart. And not a lot of business owners and small businesses and any business in general really want to have that kind of a mindset, but we want to empower them. And it's our job as leaders to remove any obstacle in their way to doing the best job that they can possible, right? To continue to create raving fans. So yeah, it's it's ultimately understanding them as a person, right? What are their hobbies? What do they enjoy doing? You know, do they have family? Things of that sort. And also too, I like to understand, you know, just initially when I'm initially, before I go on my spiel or my speech, as I say, you know, why they're even talking with us, right? What is it about where they're currently working that, or they've worked before that, that they did not like, right? And again, it's, it's a setting those expectations. So when I hear about, you know, horror stories, especially, you know, honestly, we're getting a lot of people from dealerships right now because they are treated like numbers. They are treated like cogs that we can tell a different story. We can connect with them on a human level. We can reward and recognize, you know, great individuals that work for us. It's funny. It's the little things that cost you nothing that will create that loyalty and the retention that you'll have an employee for life. Right. And, you know, ultimately, you know, on that that trajectory and career path for our employees, we ultimately want them to retire, you know, at a reasonable age. You know, and most businesses aren't thinking that way. We're thinking so long term with these employees. So when they get to 65, they can hang their hat up and they can enjoy those golden years, you know, out there. So yeah, it's, it's just great it's kind of selling that vision as far as what we have and how, you know, we are here to hire people, not just to be part of a company, but part of building a great company. And it takes that incredible human capital to do that. So, uh, yeah, it's all about it's all about people. And it's funny when you go back when you talked about this earlier, uh, Karma, about the ghosting and the people that don't show up. Yeah, we, we're not, we're on a different level as far as hiring, right? Because we all in this room have a process in which we hire people to know that they're not going to ghost us, right? We, before I ever talk to them, we know they're not going to ghost us, right? If we did, then we've got a serious breakdown in our process uh, along the way. If you're running in, if you're a shop owner out there running into a lot of people ghosting you, definitely look at the process, but also don't be in a rush to hire someone too. You know, it's uh, the analogy we use is just trying to find anybody that can fog a mirror. You know, it's, it's beyond that. Right. And so if you're looking for that long-term loyalty, retention and quality, then uh, you've got to slow down that initial process a bit. The personal side of things, you know, being really caring about people. And the reason why a lot of uh, people who are out in the market in our industry looking for, for jobs is because they're treated as cogs in a machine. Right. So, Bringing that personal touch goes back also to our process and procedure where that has to be, that's almost even built in a little bit. I mean, one of the processes that we have is that we give our team, our new teammates, what we call a swag bag, right? So it's got just a bunch of goodies in there, t-shirts, hats, pretty generic stuff. But we always try to include at the very least one gift that is personal to them. Something that they mentioned in 
during their interview process, like, hey, I love Chevy Novas. Well, how about we buy you a model Chevy Nova and fill it with a bunch of little Hot Wheels Chevy Novas and you keep them at your desk? And that's actually a true story. You know, it, it's little things like that. And then what that creates for that process is not just that it's a process that's fun to do and exciting to see unravel and happen. But when that new teammate goes through that process and then they later on are put in the process of having another teammate come on board, they just remember how much that meant to them, how much they liked that and how they met, that made them feel. And they want to do that for other people. When you have that built in there and you do that for your new teammates, the teammates that you have now will take care of the teammates that you bring on board later. It's an awesome process to have and to see unravel and just to see how people will take care of people when they're being taken care of. Sam, I'm curious on something. Uh, I like what AJ said. You're interviewing somebody and you're finding out about where they worked and what they weren't happy with and, and why they're sitting in front of you. But I can't help but think you're interviewing someone and they're saying the things to you about why they want to leave and you do some of them. And you know that to fog the mirror and your guys are so unhappy, you're so behind, you can't get cars out, you're looking for a, a machine that pops out widgets, you hire the person knowing they may not last more than six months. Golly, I can't imagine that happening, but I believe it does. Yeah, I, I was actually having a conversation with a, a shop owner yesterday who was who would do that and and that's okay if that's if that's your model. I'm in a situation right now where I need two technicians so bad I can't see straight, but I'm saying no to the technicians that don't fit our culture or don't have the skill. But it's happened before where I've interviewed someone and they're complaining about I don't know in particular something another shop does in their process or the fact that their flag, their pay flag rate or whatever. I've found in those situations, it's best to stop and address something like that. Hiring is, is such a unique thing because we spend so much time listening for the things that are unsaid in the interview. The stuff that we've learned over the years is a red flag the hard way. So if someone says something like my interviews, I go into my interviews with like three or four questions to ask and that's it. And the rest of the time, I'm just active listening to what they're saying. So if they come in and, they, and they'll, they'll tell me a story and... You know, they're talking about how they don't like the way their things are run at their current location. My favorite interview question to ask is, well, tell me more about that and get them to just dive into it a little bit more so I can learn the way they think and the way they interact with other people. Well, tell me more about that boss you don't like. Well, tell me more about that time that coworker upsets you or tell me more about that time that you flagged 100 hours in a week or tell me more about, you know, just get them to ask questions and, you know, speak as much as they can. That does two things. Uh, my background's heavy marketing and sales and less on, on owning a shop. And the rule of thumb is the person asking the questions is in control of the interview. It's not the person talking about stuff. And so a lot of times that person is going to learn more from you by the questions that you ask than if you just stand up and say, we're awesome, pay attention to me, everything else sucks. But if you're asking more engaging questions and you want to learn more about the family history, where they're working now, what their goals are for the future and things like that, that you're going to have a higher likelihood of creating a meaningful connection with that person. And that's really what we want to do. We want to create a meaningful connection that lasts and makes them think, yes, this is the place that I want to work and also learn more about them. I have to coach because part of our interview process is cultural. They literally go and they meet the rest of the team. And I have to coach my team on what it means to ask questions because 
to their credit, it's great to see, but they're really excited about working here and they want to talk about how awesome it is here. And the person who's sitting on the other side of that desk, it's great to hear that once, but they really need to know, is this an awesome place for me? And the best way to learn that is to ask questions and see if there's a fit. I found honesty is really good there. If it seems like there's not a fit or there's a disconnect about something, man, just dive into a little bit more and see if you're going to learn a little bit more. Tell me more about that. Why is that important to you? Again, I go into my interviews with three or four questions and the rest of the time is just me digging into that person. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a canned job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then get this. They pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Sam, you spoke at depth about getting that individual out to the team to, you know, see if there's a cultural fit. And you say, did you coach your people on how to ask questions or what to listen for? Slowly on what to listen for, but I just coached them to ask questions that you want to be interested, not interesting. That's the word that I use when they're talking to someone. So you want to get to know that person and be interested in who they are. And you do that by asking questions about them. You don't do that by telling them about us. The other thing, too, is that all of us very naturally do that. We'll start talking about how awesome this place is to work, the kind of things that we expect when we're looking for someone. And then we're basically giving them the answers to all the tests on exactly what we want them to say. So, But if we ask questions and we're interested and we see the way that they think or the things that are important to them, and then we can match them up to our values versus, hey, these are the values we want, and then wait for them to just parrot that back to us. Now, AJ, you do this in your shop, am I right? As far as the, the hiring process or the interview process, it's, it is generally between my, let's say it's a technician, my head of operations, and then 
my integrator and myself. So those are the three kind of touch points. But along that way, we're doing that. Like usually that second step is where the walkthrough occurs. And it's, again, they haven't been hired yet, but it's still an interview. But at that point, when they, they're coming in, we do introduce them to the staff that's there and make the rounds, you know, hand, shake hands, look them in the eye. Let's see how, how they are with the team. And, you know, as far as like a full on debrief with everyone on the team with that, not necessarily, obviously, if someone's got a red flag, you know, obviously, we would probably pick that up first. But uh, some (laughs) actually, as I think about that, sometimes we've been in a potential interview, but uh, they knew like someone knew that person either at a previous job or something like that. And they're like, oh, hey, haven't seen you in a while. And then usually after the fact, they may give you some intel that could help or harm them. Right. (laughs) So that sometimes is good because, you know, you. Do you want to make that introduction? Because maybe they had been working together. You had no idea. And so, yeah, you'll get some insight along the way there. When you're sending that individual out, uh, dump them in the pond with the rest of the goldfish. Are you counting on your people to come back to you with a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a comment or a feel? What do we tell the single shop owner how to collect or collaborate with this individual who's spending some time in the bays? We trust our people, right? If we hired those people, they went through the interview process and they're good people. We trust them to make the decision that whether they think that person's going to fit. I'm a single store operator, but I've got a shop foreman and a store manager and the store is pretty autonomous without me. But I trust my leaders. I trust my leadership to be like, hey, this guy's no good or hey, this guy's for sure good. Even uh, last week, I was out all week racing and we interviewed two people, one of which we're going to bring back, that both of which I've only talked to on the phone one of which got the third interview and the other one, my guys were like, hey, you know, this guy's not going to work at all. Uh, He's not a good fit. So I just trust my people. Okay, great. And we'll go after the one we think is a good fit. You know, one thing that I trust is intuition. And usually when I go against it, it doesn't work out. AJ, is intuition big for you? Oh, the gut, man. The gut is so powerful. Yeah, I listen to that often. You know, generally I'm like, I just ate, so it's not that. Um, (laughs) If there's some uneasiness there, uh, yeah, that sixth sense, it does come in handy. So I don't like to label it paranoia, but, uh, you know, it's listen to it. Yeah. And ask, start asking questions, like you said, of, of coworkers and things like that. And I got to say too, as, as we've been in this, I've been taking a lot of notes here. I'm also learning from these guys as well in the room about how we can refine our process, right? Like I love the swag bag idea. And I also, I do want to make sure that we are creating and making sure that part of the process is that open feedback from the employees that are going to be, that are currently there working with that new person making sure that they know that you're going to be working with this person every day. So we really do rely on your feedback to understand that. So, and yeah, if their gut is uneasy, we want to know about it. And um, that way we can just kind of keep an eye on things and see how it progresses. Edgar, how does it work at your place? Uh, Are you bringing that candidate to your people? Yes, we do uh, working interviews, especially with people who we actually want to bring on board. And we're doing a working interview. We're pretty much already know that we want to bring this person on board. We just want them to get a feel for the day-to-day, what our culture looks like, working with teammates, what their process and procedures looks like. But I'm going to take a step back here because you asked, how do we gather that feedback from our teammates? And do we, uh, Sam had mentioned that he coaches his teammates on, you know, asking some questions and how to uh, open that dialogue up. For us, that starts on our weekly meetings. Every single week we meet on uh, Friday mornings and we discuss Absolutely nothing about the shop with the exception of our guiding principles, which are mission, mission statement and core values. And everything we talk about is 100 percent with that, because our guiding statements are not just what gives us a beacon to go to and have a common goal. 
but it's also what creates our culture. It's how we determine who the people who are in our shop is either fitting into our culture or it's, or they're not. And the people who I have here uh, have built the culture and continue to, to grow the culture. Right. And, and they're guided by these core values, vision, mission statements. So when we talk about that every single week, we have open discussions. It's not like I go up there and preach about something. We have open discussions on how to better ourselves, abiding by those guiding principles. It strengthens the culture. And we it, it's very present in everybody's mind that this is what we're looking for. And when you bring someone in here and you start working with them, even it is if it is for an hour, two hours, half a day, a full day, and you get a much better feel and you have that gut feel, yeah, it gets really strong. So here's my question. The time that the leader of the in, the business or the direct report would spend with that individual, is it time spent a large amount on day one or do we let that individual come in, work with the team? And do we make sure before that end of the week happens that there's a sit down because all of you believe expectations need to be set. And reviews need to happen because the worst thing you'd want to have is someone coming in doing their absolute own thing. So talk to me about the time spent with the new, with, with the new recruit. Well, I was just going to say, if it, let's say it's an advisor or a technician, my head of sales or my head of operations will be there on day one to kind of make sure that they're up to speed. Again, hopefully the walkthrough's already been done. What we do as well, like let's just get into the actual like meat and potatoes of it. But I love your analogy of selling a car, right? Because you know, the salesman sells it, right? And you're bought in, you know, it's going to be better than the brochure. I want this sucker. All right, let's go back into the finance department, fill out the paperwork, right? So that's the worst, right? So we try to torture. So we're trying to make that as seamless as possible. So we have some great technology in our onboarding and benefits software we use the company. We specifically use as Gusto, but it makes it so seamless. We can send this, the offer letter. They can e-sign it to accept it. Then it starts a chain reaction of other events, all these other onboarding duties, everything from uniforms to the driver questionnaire, the insurance stuff, the I-9s, the W-4s, the state tax stuff. Like Everything is just boom, 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 boom. And it's all in the employee to do. They can do it electronically. It takes minutes to enter the direct deposit information. So like that's one whole thing, which is like really automated, very, very easy. Because back in the day when I first started, it was paper forms. They had to you know, fill it out. We had to put it in an HR you know, binder and everything. And now it's all digital. So the handbook acknowledgement, the job description acknowledgements, like all that stuff, right? So that's one whole thing. And then as, as far as like actual on the job, right? That head of sales or head of operations, they will be with them on day one, potentially two days. But we generally have a lead of that, like a lead service advisor or a lead technician at every location that is then kind of tasked to be there to kind of hold their hand throughout that week or two. And uh, also back to that nitty gritty, what we do before they start on day one, you know, we set up their email addresses, the Google workspace, we get them onto all the intranet chats. You know, we set up their tablet, we get them their tech metric login, you know, like, and they have all their bookmarks set, the passwords are set. So like when they come in on day one, they open that tablet up, boom, they're ready to work. Like that, we know that that can take like a full day just getting all that stuff out of the way, right? If I'm paying you to come in on day one, I want you working on cars, right? Or selling work. So, uh, or answering the phones, you know, I don't want to have to waste time with that. So that's a lot of the back end stuff that us as a team will set up and get done ahead of time. So it makes day one as seamless as possible and we can get to work. Okay, let's learn from you, Sam. Uh, the time spent with the candidate. So it depends on who the candidate is. Uh, I don't have a technical background of working on cars. 
So when we hire a service advisor or service manager or someone front of house, then I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, We actually just onboarded another service advisor. Eddie, my service manager, has been doing 90% of the onboarding with him. I'm going to do the last little bit. Just been kind of making sure things are culturally and like up to our standards. All I'm going to cover is phone call stuff, how to talk to customers, how to present our DVI process. We have a very unique way of doing that. We present our DVIs, our digital inspections, and it takes usually eight to 10 minutes to do it. That gives us a really high uh, ARO. And if it's a technician, like 99% of it is, is taken handled by my shop foreman and the rest of the team because I just I don't have that background necessarily to bring them on. So they know what our process is. They bring them in. They show us, show them how to use TechMetric. I get them on and like kind of like do the basics, like the, hey, get us in Gusto. We use Gusto just like AJ. Get you in Gusto, get you in TechMetric, get you in the chat, have an introduction, come say hello, thank you, things like that. But really, it, it gets handled by the people that are better at it than me. Uh, and we just have a process that they have to follow for it. My primary job at this point in my business is to maintain the culture and maintain the standards and hold people accountable to things. My people are really, I'm just super fortunate. The leadership and the people in my, in my business are really good and has been able to afford us the kind of growth that we've had. So I hate to kind of say it, but there's just, there's not a whole lot I, I have to do except for the real high level stuff. Well, that's how you've designed it. And uh, God bless you for that. Great. Edgar, how's the onboarding? Who are they with? Much like AJ, we set up a, a lot of things before they even show up. All their passwords, their logins, all that stuff is already set up, ready to go because setting up a lot of those things can take up a whole day and you don't want to waste that whole day when you're onboarding somebody. We set up a, a lot of that pr- beforehand and then when they show up for their first day, it's everybody has the same experience. They go through our entire process from beginning to end. They talk and sit with different people to see what that looks like. If you're a technician, you're going to spend some time with our advisor and you're going to spend some time with our production team building estimates, looking for parts. And it's because it gives everybody a a good sense of the big picture of what it all encompasses and why the things that they do on their day to day, no matter how small, matter. Something like if you do hire a technician, we have a section in our inspection sheet where they enter notes, uh, miscellaneous notes to where if you're recommending rear brakes, we want to know how many uh, wheel studs and uh, caliper pistons there are, right? A technician can sometimes look at that and say, why do I need to fill this out? It doesn't make sense and just send it on. But when they get to sit down with someone in production and see that there are five, six different options and those small things matter, like the production dates, small things like that, then they can understand why that matters and why it affects the entire team and how it slows the whole process down. Once we get past the first day, we don't want any of our new teammates to do anything by themselves for at the very minimum two weeks. So for two weeks, they are paired with uh, whoever the lead is in the position they're in. If they're an advisor, they spend two weeks with with our lead advisors. If they're uh, technicians, they spend uh, two weeks with our shop foreman and lead technicians, just knowing and learning the whole process, learning our systems and procedures and policies, uh, how we like to do things, our standards, all of it. Same thing in production. It's so that when they are finally let go on their own and they are expected to perform and do things, it's they've had two weeks of seeing how it's done, how it's properly done, not just hands-on, but also in writing because we do use Trainial and they go through all that training. They see all those modules. They see what, what the expectation is going back to setting the expectation so that we can later on hold those teammates accountable, right? What I'm walking away with is a couple of things, Trainial and Gusto. And guys, Is it possible 
that using this software for your training and onboarding pre the day of show up is going to minimize and prevent number one it's classy it's the right thing to do like you say aj stop the paper be paperless but it almost seems to me that the embracement of i'm already there and i'm not almost may may make that worry weekend if you will the worry weekend go away if you're creating that consistency too you know by doing it that way you're you're not going to fat finger a number if you're trying to put direct deposit info in, like things like that. It's all on the employee to do that before day one. And yeah, they see that level of professionalism for an automotive shop, an independent, right? Dude, this is next level. They've probably never seen from any employer. There's probably Fortune 500 companies that aren't doing what we're doing in the way that we're onboarding them and doing it consistently. I've heard of you. I don't use them but I use a company called uh, Playbook Builder that's very similar. And it puts all of our processes on a you know website that's mobile friendly. It's like one of the things we do on day one is that they got to have four apps on their phone. They got to have their Google account for their, so they get email and calendar. They've got to have Gusto so they can clock in and clock out. That's how we also do the time tracking on that. Uh, they've got to have traction tools because we run our business on EOS. So traction tools is how we conduct meetings. They see their numbers, the rocks, all that stuff. And then uh, the playbook builder, because when, whenever we send out a new process, it's sent out on playbook builder. Everyone gets a text or an email about a new process. They can open it. We can see who opens it. We can see who's done a post assessment quiz or test about that process. So we know that they're seeing it, that we can hold them accountable. It's like, well, you know, Phil, you said you were going to do X, Y, Z. You know, you acknowledge this process. And it's just another way and another tool we can use at our disposal to hold people accountable to the process. Because to create raving fans, you have got to get that operational excellence like down to a science, right? Especially with multiple locations. I want one customer that's going to one location, the other one on the other side of the state. I need that experience to be the same. So creating that consistency amongst all employees and holding under that standard, it's, it's a level of professionalism they've probably never seen. Are the questions that the candidates are asking, are they getting more sophisticated? Are they getting smarter? And can you judge their character by the questions that they ask? I've had the pleasure of speaking with a lot of people and the questions that that people ask. It used to be, what's the pay? What's the schedule? What's the benefits? Those were the three things that everybody wanted to know. Now people want to know, what do we do for our teammates? How do we take care of our teammates? How do we operate? Uh, What is our culture like? More and more often, I'm seeing questions about our culture. So they are becoming more sophisticated. And when we're understanding what people actually want out of their workplace, they're not looking. Obviously, everybody's looking to make a good, comparable living, but that's not their number one concern. They want to make sure that wherever they go, they, they are treated well, that they are cared about, and that they are treated as a person. Our cultures will make us or break us. And they're going to either drive people into the door and into your bays, or they're going to drive people out. Choice is yours. Yeah, I forget who said it. It's a really famous quote. It says, culture beats strategy. Uh, You can have the best strategy in the world, but if your people don't want to execute, it just doesn't matter. Are the questions in interviews getting better? I've only been doing this two years in this industry, so... I don't know what it was like before that. Uh, I don't know if I'm the best uh, measure, but I'll tell you, I use a question as a bit of a trap to try to figure out the way they think very early on in the process. And the first question that I ask them when I'm on the phone is, 
do you have any questions for me? And I like to see the way they answer that question. Is their first question, what do you pay? I don't want to say it's a red flag, but it's damn near a red flag if that's the first thing they ask me, because that tells me that's the only thing they care about. You can come and work for us and you can make damn good money. You can make more money than just about anywhere else in town, but that shouldn't be the number one reason why you enjoy working here or the number one thing on your mind. I don't mind if you're money motivated at all. We're shop owners because we're money motivated, but that's just one little thing that I use. AJ, what about the questions that you're being asked? I mean, are they getting technical? Are they talk about margins and productivity and what kind of training are you doing? Do you have a training budget? Those kind of questions showing up. Here's what's amazing with us too. I have to say, not to be a, not to brag about this, but you know, I, yes, that there's a technician shortage. Yes, yes, it's hard to find good help. But what's great is we have a reputation of an of having it being an incredible place to work for. And so when it comes to hiring costs and trying to find great talent, we're finding that the talent is coming to us. They may know someone that already works here or has worked here before. And so when they're talking about Neely Auto Service, again, those employees, those current employees are our brand ambassadors to the rest of the industry in the area. There's no better referral, right? If it, Even when it's your own customer, there's no better referral than another customer that's really, really excited. So when we say one of our core values is create raving fans, that is not external to our customers. That is more internal to our internal customers, our stakeholders than anything else. And if we're creating raving fans there, they're going to go out and scream from the top of their mountains about us. And so a lot of those are already answered. They know that we're going to, you know, with the benefits that we have and the training that's paid for and things like that. That's also like just thrown out there in the on the ads that are out there. So if they're talking to us from a referral, they're already bought in. They're like, when can I start? You know, and that's there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Guys, this was great. Thank you so much. Lots to learn here. Thank you for sharing your passion about this topic, onboarding new team members. Sam Craven, the garageisti, Houston, Texas. Uh, thanks for being here, Sam. AJ Neely, Neely's Auto Service, Edgewater, Maryland. And Edgar Reyes, Service Director, Shirts Auto Service, Shirts Texas. Loved it, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.